Well, howdy. My name is Timothy Atik. I'm the director of Breakaway Ministries here in town. This is my third week to get to be here at Grace. It's also my last week. And so let me just say it has been a joy and a privilege to get to be with you all. Uh, I just, I I love this place. I'm so thankful for all this place has meant to me when I was in college. And now that my family gets to be a part of the Grace family is just such, such a joy. Uh, I want to start out today by telling you about a very unfortunate decision that I made about six years ago. And if you've been around Breakaway at all, you've probably heard this story. But six years ago, I decided to make the very unfortunate decision of trying to drive from Austin to Dallas without my wife, but with my, my two boys who were two and a half and five months old at the time. It was a very unfortunate decision. I loaded up our sweet white minivan, and I began to make my way up I-35. And I'll just tell you this, for the first hour, I was just crushing it as a dad, primarily because my kids were asleep. But um, we were driving up 35, and uh, my kids woke up, and I just decided, you know, it's time for us to take a break. This thing is going extremely well. And so we decided we had already made it all the way to Temple, and so we were like, let's stop and get some lunch. And so we pulled off into the Chick-fil-A in Temple, And I parked my car, and before I walked in, I just stopped and I thought about everything that needed to happen in order for me to get in and out of Chick-fil-A without dying. And so once I figured that I had it all set and ready to go, I got out of my car and I began to make my way in, and I just looked like a circus, okay? I had Andrew, five-month-old, in his car seat carrier in this hand. I had a diaper bag slung over my shoulder. I had Noah in this hand. We're walking uh, into Chick-fil-A, and you can just see on the employees' faces pity. They're like, my pleasure today. It's like, it's always their pleasure, but especially their pleasure that day, all right, to get the door for me. And so I go in, and I sit down, and we're having lunch, and everything is going exactly how it should until right in the middle of lunch, my five-month-old Andrew uh, begins to take care of some business in his diaper. And just to be clear, it's the type of business that a husband and wife usually paper, rock, scissors over who is going to deal with that business. And so since my wife wasn't there, I couldn't push it off on her. It was all on dad in this moment. And so I decided I got to take care of this now. So right in the middle of lunch, I gathered up all of our food. I gathered up all of our stuff. And we made our way into the Chick-fil-A bathroom. And I don't know if the stars were just aligned that day or what. But it was like every man's bladder was in sync that day. And so every man converged on the bathroom in the Chick-fil-A in Temple, Texas at this exact moment. And so I go into the bathroom and I begin, I put Andrew on the changing table. I have Noah, my two and a half year old right here at my side. And I'm just ferociously wiping Andrew down. And uh, as I'm wiping him down, he decides to go to the bathroom again, a different number this time. And he just floods the changing table. And as he fledged the changing table, I used my last wet wipe. And so here I am just stranded in this moment where I'm holding up this bare-bottomed kid with nowhere to put him because the changing table was standing water. And it really wasn't water, but it was, there was no place to put this child. And so I'm just stranded in this moment, nothing to wipe him down, nowhere to put him. And I look left just in time to see my two and a half year old playing with the urinal cake. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about stress this morning. (laughs) 
Hey, let me just tell you, that day in that uh, Chick-fil-A bathroom in Temple, Texas, I'll tell you how I felt. I felt stressed out, overwhelmed, and out of control. And maybe you've never been in that moment where you're stranded in a Chick-fil-A bathroom holding a bare-bottomed kid. Maybe you have been in that moment. But I'll tell you this, if you have more to do than time to do it, if you're having a hard time making the, the, balance, the budget balance, if, you, if you're not clear on what you're doing post-graduation, then I wouldn't be surprised if you feel the exact same things. You feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and out of control. Here's the good news today. Today we're going to look at a story in the scriptures which is going to make one key truth. It's going to make one point absolutely clear, and here it is. Stress isn't inevitable. It's actually optional. Stress isn't inevitable. It is actually optional. And what I want to do today is I want to look at four key realities you need to know when dealing with stress in your life. And these four key realities will really determine whether this week you feels chaotic or calm. It'll really determine whether over the next few days, the next few weeks, the next few months, you sense pressure or peace. So if you're stressed out in life, this is a good day to be at church. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. And if this is your first time here in a few weeks, let me just tell you what's going on. We've been in a three-week series that we are calling We Are. And the goal of the series has just been to have a very honest conversation with ourselves about who we tend to be. And so the first week we talked about the fact that we are often difficult people. Last week we looked at the reality that we are often isolated people, and today we're going to finish the series by talking about the fact that we are often anxious people. All right? Mark chapter 4, let me read you verses 35 through 38. It's going to kind of set the scene for us. It says this, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he, that's Jesus, he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So here's the scene. Let's just all get on the same page. Jesus and his friends begin to make their way across the Sea of Galilee. What you need to know is the Sea of Galilee sits at 700 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by hills. And so the right kind of rush of wind and the right mix of temperatures can often lead to sudden storms. And these storms on the Sea of Galilee can often be violent storms. This is actually one of those storms. And it's such a violent storm that the disciples begin to feel uncomfortable to the point that they believe that they are not going to make it. Now, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about who's actually on the boat. Obviously, there's Jesus, but then there's his 12 friends. And several, if not the majority of Jesus' 12 friends had been fishermen, professional fishermen before they made the choice to follow Jesus. So here's what that means. It means that these were boat guys. The Sea of Galilee had been these guys' office at one time. They were used to waves. They were used to being on the sea. I believe this day, though, these guys experienced something that they had never experienced before. They experienced an I think we are going to die type of storm. 
And the reason that I think that this is something they haven't experienced before is that we don't see any of them saying, guys, don't freak out. Like, I've been here before. I have seen this. All we have to do is hunker down and wait this thing out. This is not an issue. I've been here. I've done this. No, what do we see? We see them all freaking out saying, I don't think that we are going to make it. And as water fills the boat, stress fills their souls. Why? Because the disciples realize that they are no longer in control. And it shows us the first key reality about stress that we need to know. And here it is. Don't miss it. At the root of your stress is a lack of control. That's what stress is. Stress is fear of an outcome. It's fear of an outcome that you can't see. It's, it's fear that comes when you can no longer control your circumstances or how something in your life is going to turn out. So just think about it. If you're stressed out about the fact that you have more to do than time to do it, the reason that you're stressed is because you cannot control the clock. You can't manufacture a 30-hour 30 30 day. You can't make the clock slow down. If you're stressed out about money, the reason that you're stressed out is because you can't control how fast money comes in or how much is actually coming in. If you're stressed out about your post-graduation plans, the reason you're stressed out is because you can't control when you're going to get a job offer. So just think, what are you stressed out about? What in your life right now can you not control? Is it the clock for you? Is it a tough conversation that you need to have and you don't know how that person is going to react? Is it the health of a loved one? You can't control whether they get healthy or not? What is it for you? At the root of your stress is a lack of control. The second key reality you need to know about stress is this. God will intentionally lead you into situations you can't control. So if point one is that the root of your stress is a lack of control, point two is God will intentionally lead you into situations you cannot control. No one's saying amen to that. Okay, great. But just think about it. Whose idea was it to go across to the other side of the sea? It was Jesus' idea. He's the one who said, let's go. Now, this is just me personally, but I don't believe that it's coincidence that Jesus recommends that they go across to the other side of the sea at the exact same time that the greatest storm these guys have ever experienced comes onto the sea. I don't think it's coincidence. I think that Jesus knew that the storm was coming. I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus even ordered the storm. I believe that Jesus led his friends into the storm. I believe that Jesus intentionally put his friends in a situation that they could not control. The reason that I even think that is because when you take this book and read it, it is abundantly clear that God consistently leads his people into situations he cannot, they cannot control. Just think, Joseph was thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery. The nation of Israel came to a dead end at the Red Sea when Pharaoh and his army were in hot pursuit. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. Zechariah and Elizabeth were old and barren. God consistently leads his people into situations that they cannot control. The problem with that is that we are people who crave control. Some people in this room are budding control freaks, and some people are in full bloom. You decide which one you are. But we are people who love to know that we're in control. We need to have our, 
appearance under control. We need to have our schedule under control. We need to have our relationship status under control. We need to have our kids under control. We need to have our husband and husband or wife under control. We need to have every aspect of our lives under control. If that's you, if you can be honest with yourself and say, yeah, I, I tend toward control. That's something that I don't just want. That is something that I need. If that's you, I just need to fill you in on what your life will, per, will perpetually feel like. It will consistently feel like trying to carry a big pile of laundry. Let me just explain what I'm talking about here. Okay, if you've ever done your own laundry, which some you college students haven't, not all of you, but some of you, like that's how you determine when you go home, all right? It's like, I got nothing left to wear. It's t- time to go home and see my mom and dad, all right? That's, you, so, but that day will come where you'll do it yourself. But uh, the way it goes is you wash, put stuff in the wash, you put stuff in the dryer, and when it's done drying, you open up the door, and then you scrape the insides of that dryer, and you try and get every article of clothing within your grasp. Because heaven forbid, we're not making two trips, folks. And so you wait until you feel like you have every article of clothing in your grasp. And when you feel like you have it, you begin to make the journey to the couch or the bed. But as you're carrying that laundry, you get this deep down sense inside of you to just look back. And when you do, what do you see? Sock down. Man down, right? You know this. Now this is where we display our brilliance. Because instead of taking the pile, dropping it off, and coming back for the sock, we develop this very noble and heroic mentality of no sock left behind. And so then we begin to back up toward the sock. And this is when we try and balance the entire pile of laundry on one arm so that we can free up a hand to pick it up. Or we think that we're athletic and agile and try and grab it with our foot. (laughs) Just when we get the sock, what do you see? The whitey tidies falls. And that's your fault for never switching to boxers. Come on. (laughs) You need to know. If you're a control freak, this is what your life will feel like. Just when you feel like you have everything in your control, the next thing will fall. God will intentionally lead you into situations you cannot control. And that leads me to my third key reality that you need to know when dealing with stress, and it's this. You don't have to be in control because Jesus Christ already is. You don't need to be in control because Jesus Christ already is. Watch how things play out in this story. Verse 39, look at what it says. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, what, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so they run to Jesus, they wake him up, and Jesus stands up and he speaks to the sea. He he commands the storm, and our English translations say that he declares, peace, be still. But that wording in no way does justice to what Jesus actually says. The Greek actually is, it's literally, be muzzled. 
It's the same phrase that Jesus used back in Mark chapter 1 when he cast out a demon. So don't think of Jesus standing up and just saying, peace, be still. No, he's saying, be muzzled. Shut up. Be quiet. I read this story and I can't help but think of this TV show that used to be on called The Dog Whisperer. I don't know if you ever saw this, but The Dog Whisperer was about this uh, world-renowned dog trainer named Caesar Milan. And the way the show would go is it would start with like this montage of this unruly dog. It'd be like barking and biting and like swallowing a couch whole. And then Caesar Milan would walk into the house and just look at the dog and be like, hey, hey. And the dog would just sit, do the head tilt and like fall over and die. It was crazy. (laughs) But I read this story and I'm like, Jesus is the sea whisperer. He just stands up and he's like, hey. In a moment in time, the sea goes from chaotic to calm. Do you want to know why Jesus could sleep during the storm? Jesus could sleep during the storm because he wasn't threatened by the storm. He wasn't threatened by the storm because he was already in control of the storm. Those same waters had been created by God simply just saying the word. Surely Jesus, who was God, could calm those same waters in the exact same way by standing up and simply saying the word. And when he does, the sea goes from chaotic to calm. What if the great calm of the sea could become the great calm of your soul? Paul actually shows us the way in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is a verse that some of you guys have memorized. But Paul says this, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's just break this first down. This is the way to peace. What does Paul say? He says, do not be anxious about anything. Do you know what this is? This is a command. This is a command from God through Paul to you. This isn't a suggestion. It doesn't say, I encourage you to not be anxious. No, it just says, don't be anxious. This is a command from God through Paul to you. If this is a command, then what this means is to be anxious is actually to be disobedient to God and what he's called you to do. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Do you know what the Greek word that's translated everything means? Or anything? It means anything. That's what the Greek means. It means anything. Anything. Do not be anxious about anything in your life. And I don't know what translation you're reading, but at least my translation doesn't have an asterisk next to the word anything pointing me to a footnote at the bottom where where Paul gives some caveats for stress. My Bible doesn't say at the bottom, like, do not be anxious about anything, except when you have four tests in one week. Then you can definitely freak out. Do not be anxious about anything, you know, it except when a loved one is sick. Do not be anxious about anything, you know, it except when you don't know if you're going to be able to make ends meet. Do not be anxious about anything except when you're still not sure what you're doing post-graduation. No, it just says do not be anxious about anything. So Paul first tells us what not to do, and then he pivots and tells us what to do. He says, but in everything... 
by prayer and supplication. Let me just stop right here. Paul is calling us to pray and ask God for something. Let me just ask you, if you're stressed out right now, if you're anxious about something in life, have you talked to God about it yet? I'm not asking you if you've talked at God about it. I'm asking you, have you talked to him about it and invited him into it? Have you invited God into your stress and asked him to do something about it? Have you taken a step to roll your stress and anxiety onto his shoulders? You know his shoulders are broader than yours, right? His shoulders can handle your stress a lot better than yours can. Paul calls us to ask God to come in to our stress, but it's very interesting how he proceeds. He says, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's out of order. I think Paul messed up. Because the way things should go is you get stressed, you freak out, you ask God to do something about it, God does something about it, then you say thank you. But according to Paul, you get stressed out, you freak out, you start talking to God about it. And as you're talking to God about it, in the midst of talking to him about it, you start thanking God. Have you ever thanked God in advance for what he's going to do? Instead of waiting till your stress is in the rearview mirror, have you actually paused and just said, God, thank you in advance for what you will do? It might not be what I want you to do. You might not handle things how I would handle them, but your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are better than my ways. So thank you in advance for what you are going to do. You know what gratitude does? When you spend time not just thanking God for what he will do, but reminding yourself of what God has already done, it reaffirms in your heart that God is not just faithful but capable. If he handled what was in your past, surely he can handle what's in your present. Try that. Interject gratitude into your prayer life in the midst of stress. Thank God in advance for what he will do. Present your request to God. And then Paul says this. He says, in the peace of God, that's what we want, right? We want peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will do what? It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know what that is? That is a promise from God through Paul to you. It's a promise. It doesn't say that God might guard your heart and mind. It doesn't say that hopefully God will guard your heart and your mind. It says God will. He will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Uh, before my family moved to College Station, we lived in Waco for four years. And while in Waco, I led a ministry that was modeled after Breakaway. It's a ministry called Vertical. And Vertical meets on Monday nights at 9 p.m. And uh, I was the only staff member for Vertical. And so I worked out of, out of our house. I worked out of our bedroom. And uh, so Vertical is Monday nights at 9. Well, unfortunately, 6 p.m., not just on Monday night, but every night, was like meltdown central for my kids who were about four and two at the time. And so, man, I'd be trying to get my heart and mind around what God would have me say to a bunch of college students at 9 p.m. I was getting ready around 6 p.m. And man, the meltdown would happen. Well, fortunately, a good friend of mine bought me 
a pair of uh, $200 Bose noise-canceling headphones. And so, I mean, the house could be literally falling apart. Diapers could be exploding. Food could be flying. And all I had to do was put these headphones on and flip a switch. And my life would go from chaotic to calm. Now, I realize that this makes me sound like a very bad husband. I get that. (laughs) But man, I'd flip the switch. (laughs) And the calm would come. You want to flip the switch on your stress this week? Like whatever you're stressed out about, whatever you're anxious about, you want to flip the switch on your stress this week? Here it is. Look upward instead of inward. Look upward instead of inward. Do you know what stress is? Stress is simply a distress signal of your soul saying something is not right. Something is malfunctioning. You need to know God has hardwired you to need him. He's made you to need him. He leads you into situations that you can't control. He puts you in these situations so that you will need him. When you look inward instead of upward, stress comes. Flip the switch on your stress. Look upward instead of inward. That brings me to... The last key reality you need to know when dealing with stress, here it is. When you can't control life, you have two options, fear or faith. Those are your options, fear or faith. Put differently, look, you can either look inward or you can look upward. Your options, when it comes to stress and anxiety, it's fear or faith. Just think about it. The normal and natural response to a lack of control is fear. That's all stress is. It's fear of the unknown. It's fear of the result. Fear of how things will play out because you don't have control. Fear ended up being the disciples' response when the waters started rising in the boat. But we know that they had another option. Because Jesus Christ was in their boat. That's why Jesus asked them, he said, why are you so afraid? And one translation says, where is your faith? Do you see the two options? He says, why are you so afraid? You chose fear. You had another option. You had faith. That could have been your option. Why? Because the God of the universe, the one who just has to say the word, is in your boat. Let me just tell you this. Maybe the reason that God had you get up and make it to church this morning was to simply hear this truth, that stress isn't inevitable. It's actually optional Why? Because the one who just has to say the word is in the boat of your life. And he cares. And he's passionate about giving you peace. I think it's a natural question. We talked about the fact that God intentionally leads us into situations we can't control. I think a natural question is, if God really loved us, why would he do that? If God really loves us, why would he lead us into situations that we cannot control? And I think that the answer is very simple. Because it gives him an opportunity to show up. It gives him an opportunity to show up in our lives. Just think about it. Joseph was sold into slavery. What did God do? He showed up and he moved him into the number two position in all of Egypt. Nation of Israel was trapped at the dead end of the Red Sea. God showed up and he split the thing in half. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. God preserved him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. God sustained them. Zachariah and Elizabeth were old and barren. God gave them John the Baptist. 
God will lead you into situations you can't control because it gives him an opportunity to show up in your life, put his greatness and goodness on display for you, and you know what it does? It creates intimacy. Have you ever thought about this? What if there's more joy waiting for you in dependence than there is waiting for you in control? What if there's more joy waiting for you in dependence than there is waiting for you in control? See, God cares about your joy, and he cares about your peace. If you ever question that God cares about your peace, all you have to do is look at the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ is a symbol of peace for us. Listen to what Paul says. He explains it this way in Colossians 1, 19 and 20. He says, for in him, this is talking about Jesus, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus was buried for our sins. Jesus was Jesus rose from the dead to display that he had conquered our sins. But when Jesus was on that cross, when he was crucified for our sins, he reached the end and he declared, it is finished. And when he declared, it is finished, that was his way of declaring, be muzzled, shut up, be quiet to the storm of sin and death that was threatening to separate us from God for all of eternity. And now through faith and faith alone in who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us, we are brought into the family of God and we're no longer slaves to fear because we are children of God. If you ever question if Jesus cares about your peace, all you have to do is look at the cross. I want to finish this morning by focusing for just a moment on Peter. I don't know if you saw it when we read through the story, but the the story mentioned very interesting details, or it was just a very detailed account. Like it talked about the other boats that were with this boat. It talked about the stern of the boat. It talked about the cushion that Jesus was sleeping on. The reason it was so detailed was because this was an eyewitness account. But Mark, the person who wrote this book, wasn't an apostle and was not an eyewitness. He was telling someone else's account. Whose account was he telling? He was telling Peter's eyewitness account. Now, I don't know if you remember, but when the disciples start freaking out about the waters rising, the disciples run to Jesus and ask the question, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Part of me wonders if it was Peter who said that. It sounds like something he would say. Peter was always a speak first, think about it second type of guy. It sounds like something he would say. We don't know if he's the one who said it. What we do know is that that question represented the thought of every person on the boat. It represented what every disciple was thinking. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That's what Peter thought while he was on the boat. So just think about it. How meaningful that years later, Peter was able to write this. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, he was able to write, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. I wonder if when Peter wrote this, he said, 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And I wonder if as he wrote that, he pictured Jesus' mighty hand stretched out toward the sea. He said, humble yourself under those mighty hands. Why? Cast all your anxieties upon him. Why? Because I know he cares. I've been on the boat with Jesus. I know that he cares. He cares about you. He cares about what's going on in your life. A couple of years ago, I was dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety, so I went to talk to a, a biblical counselor. A biblical counselor is just simply someone who opens up the Word of God, the Bible, and speaks truth into your situation directly from the Word of God. So guess what passage we looked at when I was talking to this counselor about stress and anxiety? We looked at Mark chapter 4. Story about some disciples who thought that they were going to die because they were in the midst of the storm. But our session didn't end with Mark chapter 4. We looked at Mark chapter 4, and then the counselor had me turn to Acts chapter 12, and he showed me something that I've never seen before. He had me turn to Acts chapter 12, which was another story that involved Peter. And Peter found himself in a different type of storm. So right after we read a story about some disciples who thought that they were going to die and they were freaking out, we turned to Acts chapter 12. At the beginning of Acts chapter 12, what we find is King Herod has just put James to death. And he sees that it pleases the people so much that he then arrests Peter. And we are left to assume that it is his intention to put Peter to death potentially on that night. So just think... Peter was in a storm some night where he thought he was going to die and he freaked out. He now finds himself on another night in the midst of a different type of storm thinking that he's going to die. And watch what happens. Watch what we find Peter doing in Acts chapter 12. Instead of freaking out, he's doing this. Verses 6 and 7. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, what was Peter doing? Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. I think that this is hilarious. I love this. This is so great. Because after Jesus rose from the dead, he had this meaningful moment with Peter where he told him, you, Peter, Follow me. Peter took him so seriously that when he found himself in a different type of storm thinking he was going to die, he did what Jesus did when they were in the storm on the sea. Jesus slept on the cushion. Peter slept between two soldiers chained. And the guy was sleeping like a baby. Like I'll tell you this, when I was a kid... In the middle of the night, I used to creep down into my parents' room and I would just stand next to my dad and look at him. How creepy is that? I wouldn't touch him. I'd just look at him. And my dad would just sense my presence in his sleep and he would just pick me up and put me in to the bed. Peter's sleeping chained to two soldiers and an angel shows up, shines light in the cell, Nothing. He just keeps on sleeping to the point where the angel has to walk up to him and strike him. I love that he's, that's his story. Like, imagine what happened, what he told the other guys when he got together with them. Like, you wouldn't believe I was in prison. 
And I was conked out. Like the angel, he got a little frustrated because he had to come up and hit me. His light didn't do it for me. (laughs) But Peter was able to sleep soundly. Potentially on the night that he was going to be killed. Why? Because he knew that the one who just had to say the word was in the boat of his life. He didn't have to be in control because Jesus Christ was already was. He chose faith instead of fear. So I'll just end by saying this. If that's the goal, if the goal is to be able to sleep peacefully on the night that you might die, if that's the goal, can we all agree that we're not there yet? And that's okay. But take a step. Take a step today. Whatever you're stressed out about, whatever you're anxious about, are you willing to just take a step? Are you willing to walk out those doors believing that stress isn't inevitable? It's actually optional for you. Why? Because the one who just has to say the word is in the boat of your life. So choose faith instead of fear. Look upward instead of inward. Let's pray together. Well, Lord, I'm thankful for that reality that Peter wrote to us to cast our anxieties upon you because you care for us. And that sounds so simple. We read the words of Paul that just says to present a request to God and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. And that sounds so easy. And yet it's so difficult, Lord God. It makes sense in the classroom, but when we step into the lab, it just becomes more complicated. And so we just acknowledge that we're stressed out people. Lord, you know the day I had yesterday that I was way too stressed out. It's just interesting that you had me speak on this today, knowing what I just stressed out about yesterday. But I thank you that your shoulders are broad enough to handle all of my needs And your shoulders are broad enough to handle every need in this room, Lord God. And so just as you're sitting there, before before you walk out those doors, do you need to do business with the Lord in the quietness of your own heart? To not just talk at him about your stress, but to invite him into it, to invite him to do something about it. Just know Jesus might not stop the storm, but he might sustain you through it. He will sustain you through it. It's possible for you to experience that peace that surpasses all understanding even as the storm rages on. And so, Lord, we need you. We do invite you in. We pray that we would be children of God who are marked by your peace. Lord, I pray that we would walk in freedom from fear this week. Thanks that we don't need to be in control because you, Jesus, already are. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week.